0: In today's episode, I will be chatting with Shannon Tripp. Shannon is a mom of four children and an experienced pediatric ER nurse. Shannon has taken her passion for motherhood and combined it with her medical training to create an online platform that both educates and inspires mothers around the world. Shannon provides a unique perspective between the need for modern medicine balanced with natural alternatives. Shannon is a Utah native currently living with her family in sunny Puerto Rico. Today, we will
1: discuss how to
0: differentiate between gagging and choking, common choking hazards for infants and toddlers, Shannon's free three-day live workshop that will show you exactly what to do if your child is choking, and so much more. Let's dive in. Hi, Shannon. How are you?
1: (laughs) So good. How are you?
0: I'm good. How is it down in Puerto Rico?
1: Warm. Yeah, (laughs) lovely.
0: Compared to everywhere, really, in the U.S. right now,
1: (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, and I, you know, coming from Utah and it's snowy. I mean, now it's snowy in Texas. It's snowy. It's cold everywhere. So we're just grateful to be here.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so happy that you are here with us and going to be talking about everything related to choking and babies and toddlers. This is great, and this is actually how I found you (laughs) on Instagram. So. I am just really excited for everything you have in store for everybody today. So why don't we jump right in and start talking about the fact that, so I want women to feel and mothers to feel empowered by this conversation and not um, necessarily more anxious, right? So I want to be able to give them the tools that they would need to you know, react in a situation rather than to be fearful of it. So a lot of the questions I got from my community when I mentioned I was talking with you were, a very anxious based, like anxiety based, and they were just like, you know, I'm so nervous. Like, do I have to cut this a million times? Do I have to cut this a million times? And my goal for this is just to make everybody more at ease, and you know, giving them what they need, the knowledge they need to make the right choices and decisions when it comes to choking. And choking is one of the leading causes of death in in babies and toddlers. So this is something I feel like that's not talked enough about, right? I mean. I feel like women go in and they give birth and then no one ever says like, Hey, listen, maybe, you know, it would be really good for you to take a class, right? That's a baby CPR class, an infant CPR class, and um, learn about choking the signs of it and what to do if that ever happens to your child. And, you know, I, there are a lot of moms out there that don't know what to do if they were put in that position. And I'm really excited to kind of go over the details and then talk about the class that you're going to be offering when it comes to that.
1: Cool. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about all of this.
0: Yes. Okay. So Shannon, what inspired you to start talking to your community about choking?
1: Yeah. So so I've been a pediatric ER nurse for over 10 years. So I've seen a lot of things and I'm also a mom to four little kids. So through my experience of of nursing and being a mom, I can completely relate to that feeling of anxiety about bad things happening to our kids. You know, we bring home this brand new baby from the hospital and we just Love it so much, and we can't imagine anything bad happening to it, but yet nobody teaches us these life saving skills that truly moms are capable of. And so, when my, when, when I was faced with an incident with my own son, he was 10 months old and he had a choking episode. He was sitting in his car seat. We were out at dinner. I was just saying goodbye to some friends, and my little, my other little toddler gave him a hard peppermint candy and he choked on it and it occluded his airway. So so a child's airway is about the size of a nickel and even smaller in babies. And so that whole thing just occluded his airway. He went completely blue, couldn't, no air movement, couldn't breathe. My other little girl ran over to me and was like, Jack's choking. So I look at him and he's just, he's not moving. He He can't, he's not even like squirming or he just is not getting any air. So of course I pick him up and I had taught parents how to help with choking and CPR and all of that stuff for years and years. And so I just did what I knew how to do as a pediatric nurse. And after what seemed like forever, it finally flew out and I fell to my knees and I cried and it was terrible. But I went home that night and I was like, I need to help moms. They need to know how to do this.
0: Yes. And that's
1: where it all started.
0: And I feel like it's one of those things where you're telling the story and I, I almost like picture myself in it and like, oh my, like, I can't imagine the feeling that you have when that happens. Right. And then just, you know, giving women the knowledge they need to empower themselves to like act in that type of a situation where, you know, a lot of moms are like, oh gosh, I don't know. I, I don't think I could react in that type of situation. I would be too scared or, and giving them the confidence that they would need to react in that situation is so important. Yeah, And I just think that that story is just. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. I, I had an, an incident that wasn't quite like yours, but it was, you know, my child, she was, about, she was about two and a half and she was eating a sandwich. We were on vacation and she was eating like a typical like grinder sandwich, but it was like small, you know, it wasn't anything I was concerned about. You know, she's eaten sandwiches before, like it was never an issue, but she must've just taken a bigger bite than usual. And then all of a sudden she's like clenching her her chest. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm with my husband. Of course he jumps up because <laughs> he's ready to go at any moment. And I'm just sitting there still stunned, you know, and you know, we got it out, but it was just, it's, it's one of those things where I, you, you have kids and, and it might happen and there's a very high likelihood of it. And just being prepared is so important.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm so glad you said that because I think as parents we're like, how old are they? How small do I need to cut these grapes? How, you know, when can I feed them a hot dog? And you're just like, oh, like there's just so much information out there. And I think the very most important thing that we can realize is it can happen to all of us. So the most important thing is to know what to do if it does. I mean, you truly have to puree something to avoid choking. I mean, even adults can choke. So of course, we'll talk about ways to be safe and, and feeding them and sitting down while you're eating and all of that stuff. But I think the most important thing is to just learn and educate yourself so that when it happens, it's just second nature. You've seen the videos so much. You've practiced in your head and you just stand up and you do it because you're completely capable of it.
0: Yes, exactly. And everybody is capable of it, you know, yes. and I just want every mom to know that no matter what, like you are capable of doing this
1: and you can do it.
0: So what's the simplest way that someone can save their child from choking?
1: Truly, I mean, I used to teach these classes of like how to – these parents on, you know, mannequins and of how to do it. But I created videos on my Instagram page that was very much more like living room to living room, mom to mom. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. Of just like, tell me, let's talk about this. What are, what are you really going to do if you see your child start choking? And that is the number one thing I would recommend even over – I mean, again, they can sit down while they eat. You know, you have to be careful until about age five. There's there's all sorts of things that we can do, but I think the bottom line is really truly learning and personalizing it to your home what to do if they choke. So that because if you react quickly, you can totally like it. Just the success rate of getting getting the object out is incredibly high. Yes. Yes. So what are some of the most common things that that
0: children can choke on it. Like in like let's let's go, let's do it by age group, like maybe, you know, infants and then toddlers. Like what are we looking out for?
1: Yeah, so I mean, baby-led weaning or just letting letting babies essentially start to eat with whole foods. I think that can really make parents nervous, right? Handing yes. them handing them an entire, you know, thing of sweet potatoes. The trick is to make sure that it can be mushed by their gums. So whatever can be, if you can squeeze it in your fingers very easily and it mushes down, then generally that's safe enough for a baby to mush because our bodies are incredible and they figure it out, but it's just preparing food in a safe way. So I would never give my babies something hard, period. It's always just whatever you can mush with your fingers, then they can have that or it dissolves in their mouth. So I mean, common things that that babies would probably choke on is if they were to be given something hard, babies will gag, that's different than choking. If you see a baby gagging on a soft, sweet potato, let them gag, stay there, watch them. But as soon as it turns into choking, where there's no air movement, they're not able to have those reflexes, that's different. Um, And then you move up into toddlerhood and and that's when things get a little tricky because you don't have quite as much control. They're on the ground. They're picking up things. As far as food goes, I mean, we all know grapes and hot dogs and hard candies and carrots and popcorn. Like those are kind of the big five that come to my mind when I think about what I've taken care of in the hospital for choking. Um, And then of course, objects, you get into scary things like magnets and button batteries or popped balloons or, you know, things like that, that anything sticky, anything super round and smooth that can kind of just go right down into that airway and form to the airway. Those kind of things are the most scary.
0: Yes. You know what you just reminded me of now that I forgot about this incident. You know, that phloem stuff, it was like the, it's like those tiny little balls that stick together. Yes. And my oldest was playing with my daughter and she was, she was over three at this point, my littlest. And it just goes to show you though. I mean, they just don't know. And so she's playing with this foam and she starts putting in her mouth. It's pink. It looks delicious. It looks like cotton candy. And then she's like choking on it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's a scary thing, but you just need to make sure like right now we're in the process. Maggie's going to be eight months and I'm going through every single thing in the playroom and in our other rooms and taking anything that could be something that's, you know, chokeable, And even like an item where, you know, it's like a little tiny, like a car, but it has wheels enough that are big enough that could occlude an airway. They have no air going through them. Then, you know, you need to like put that away until, you know, baby's big enough to, you know, recognize that, you know, I'm not going to put this directly in my mouth if it comes off the car, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where it can be nerve wracking, but as long as you prepare correctly.
1: Yeah. It's just like anything else. If you are prepared, it gives you empowerment, you know? And so as soon as you're like, I know what to do, I don't have to pick up my baby and scramble for my phone or go scream outside for help. I know exactly what to do. If this happens, then your babies can crawl around a little bit more freely, you know, and explore feeding and things like that. It doesn't have to be a big, scary thing to feed a baby or to let a toddler crawl around the house. It's just, there are things we can do to keep them safer, but we still need to live our lives and be normal humans that aren't just like so, you know, consumed by fear. Just being prepared does wonders.
0: Yes, exactly. So we did talk about, you talked about grapes and you talked about hot dogs and all of that. And I know one of the questions was, well, how long do I have to keep cutting these things up for?
1: <laughs> I know. I know. So I I go over this over on my page and I'm going to do a workshop that goes over this extensively. But I think the the main number to have in your head is until a child is five years old, they're still learning how to eat. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, babies and toddlers don't even have their molars until, you know, four to five. And so that's, and that's a huge part of actually processing food. And so until a child is five years old, I am a little bit more careful. My three-year-old right now, I I mean, I I guess I can say this out loud because it's a podcast and I can say whatever I want, but I, I, I will give him, I will give him a whole grape but he cuts it with his teeth and he knows how to do that. And I'm sitting right next to him. So if I'm feeding him, I'm not feeding, I'm not cutting up grapes into force anymore. I'm feeding him a whole grape, but I'm sitting next to him and I've taught him how to eat a whole grape by himself. Yeah, And that's
0: important. It's important to empower our children, right? Yes. I mean, we also need to teach them, listen, this is something you could choke on. We're going to practice how to eat it safely. And that's when you can feel confident giving them these larger things that, you know, potentially would cause you some anxiety in the past, you know? Exactly.
1: Because they're old enough to go to a birthday party or they're old enough, yes. to, they're old enough to be kind of like out of your control and play with things. And, and so if they know, oh, mom says that I can choke on this and this and this and this, right. so I'm going to cut it with my teeth. I mean, my son's a fantastic eater and truly I barely cut anything for him anymore, but I'm always with him if he's learning how to eat things that maybe are more of a choking hazard, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. No, it totally makes sense. And I'm sure that you go over this in your training program, but just to kind of talk about how there are differences between how you would dislodge something from an infant versus a toddler. Because I think, so people's initial, what I got from a lot of people was that their initial instinct was to slap the back of a four-year-old or a two-year-old. And I'm like, oh, you know, so why don't we just kind of go over that really briefly just so that people kind of understand the difference and why, why there is a difference.
1: Yes. So the guidelines I follow are from the American Heart Association and what they recommend that is at age one, you kind of make that transition from infants to one years old, it's back blows to five chest thrusts to five back blows and five chest thrusts. And then around one year old, one years old, you turn to abdominal thrusts or the Heimlich maneuver. And Mm -hmm. they continue to do that up until they're an adult. With that said, it is a mother's instinct to flip them over and do back blows because that makes sense in our heads, right? Gravity helps move objects out. So if you were to flip them over, do five back blows on a three-year-old, maybe it would get it out. And so I would like to say that around one years old, sometimes you'll have really small kids and it's super easy to just pick them up, put them over your knee and do five back blows because they're small. Maybe there's a really small two-year-old. So I think that it is okay to keep that a little bit open-ended, but also knowing that the guidelines say around one-year-old, we're going to move to abdominal thrust instead of five back blows.
0: Yes, exactly. So Shannon, I think we're going to wrap up this part of the podcast, and then we'll go into the community questions, which we have quite a few of. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your free program that you're offering for moms coming up, because I feel like that will be so good to learn all of these things.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I have my online course, which I created for moms to take them through all these medical emergencies or even illnesses and injuries that we might see with our kids to give them confidence and empower them at home to make Good, safe, educated decisions. The stuff that we're just not taught when we take home these babies. Yes. Yes. But what I have found is that there's just so, there's such a big need for a conversation and for us to ask questions and answer them. And that's why I'm so grateful to be on this podcast. And so I've decided to do a free, totally free three day workshop for moms, dads, babysitters, grandparents so that we can just have that conversation around choking. We can lessen anxiety. We're going to bring in experts. We're going to talk all about it, baby proofing your house, exactly how to do it if it happens to your kid and personalize it to your kid because you're like, wait, mine's like 10 months or mine's like two and a half, you know? And it's hard to process all of that in your head. And so having this like live conversation for just one hour for three days in a row and we're gonna go over everything so that moms are not nervous to have this happen in their home. I, I'm hoping, like my whole goal in doing this is that they will not have to stand up and look around. As soon as something like this happens, they will know exactly what to do and have a calm, calm heart about it.
0: Yes. I love it. And you know, it's really important too. It's like we always think about ourselves and educating ourselves and okay, we need to know how to do this, but caregivers too, like you said, I mean, if your mom's going to be taking care of the baby or your dad or a babysitter or, you know, anybody that's going to be coming into your home and taking care of your child or you're bringing your child, you know, someone else's home, having those people know what to do too. This is perfect for them.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I'm so excited. It's just going to be like living room to living room, very casual and kind of what moms need right now, just a personal touch. And it's going to be March 16th, 17th and 18th. So hopefully if you're listening, you guys can join. I'd love to have you there.
0: So question for you. If you sign up for this workshop, do you, what happens if something happens on the 17th and you can't make it? Is it something that you can go back to?
1: Yes. So I'll give you a link where they can sign up for this workshop. And the only, the benefit of being there live, obviously, is to ask questions and get your questions answered. But if you can't make it, we will have a private group and I'll be posting the videos into that group. So of course you can rewatch the videos and get all of this information.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So let's jump into the community questions. All right. So I think some of these you might've touched on a little bit, but we can emphasize and go a little bit deeper. So the first question is actually a really good one. And I think this was the most common question. I swear I saw 50 of these. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on these gadgets like LifeVac and D-Choker that were, they're basically everywhere as an ad on Facebook?
1: Yes. I love this question. Okay. So first of all, like kudos to all these amazing people out there trying to help lessen the number of cases that we see of kids losing their life to choking. I support that. And I'm behind that. And I think it's wonderful. With that said, I would never promote a product over using your own skills. Yes, Because if we think about it, choking, I mean, the whole key to choking is acting quickly. We could go into all the statistics about the very first few seconds. If we can dislodge that object, the success rate is like super, super, super high versus if you you even wait 30 seconds to a minute. So who is going to like, be like, hold on a minute. Let me go like dig through my house and find that device and then lay you flat on the ground and remove it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense in my head. With that said, I don't think it's a bad idea to have in your house in case, you know, the the child becomes unconscious or it's like a last ditch effort. I never want to talk badly or anything about a product like that, but I do not and will never recommend that it is the first choice to help a child who is choking. Totally,
0: totally agree. And just to kind of pile onto that, I mean, we have the life back and we've had it for years, but like you said, it's, it's one of those tools. First of all, we only have it inside of our, our house. And so what happens if you're at the park, if you're at a friend's house and so, okay, so you put a second one in your car. That's really great. You have to run to the car first. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? So really, I mean, the, the, the life skills first and then having that as a backup is really great because you have this sense of, okay, I have this backup tool if I need it. And it's really, it's like comfort, you know? And from what I've, what I've heard and what I've seen, they, they do work, especially the life act works really well, but it doesn't trump learning the skills yourself. Totally, totally agree. And I think that's uh, really
1: important to kind of emphasize. Yes, definitely. I'm glad that question was asked.
0: Yes. So we touched briefly on this, but we can kind of go into it a little bit more because this was another really frequently asked question and it had to do with baby led weaning. And I feel like there's been this huge push about baby led weaning and it's the best for your child. And you know, you know, your child and you do you, and I'm still doing purees over here. So it, it, you know, (laughs) there's no right way to parent your child. They're going to be nourished no matter what, as long as you love them. But let's talk about baby led weaning and so there, a lot, a lot of the questions were what to look out for when you're starting this. I think a lot of moms that that do start this baby led weaning when they start to gag, they're they're confused as to like how to react, you know, and and what to how do they tell when it's gagging versus choking, and I feel like emphasizing that would be important.
1: Yes, I also love this question. So yes, Lindsay, you are exactly right. However, you are most comfortable and confident and feel best about is probably the way that you need to feed your baby. So you do that. (laughs) Whoever is listening, Mm -hmm. you do that. If you choose to do baby-led weaning, the babies will gag. I don't know if there is a baby that hasn't gagged because they're learning. The the food, Their tongue pushes the food back. It hits the reflex. They gag, and they're like, oh, that doesn't work for me. And they learn and they learn. (laughs) So in the beginning, they will gag a lot. Now, if you think about how a baby's body moves when they gag, their head kind of comes forward and they're, they're like, Ugh. you know, you guys can like picture yeah. that, right? They're leaning forward and they're showing you their mouth goes open. They lean forward and they're showing you that gagging reflex. Choking looks different. Choking is more of a like stare where they look around and they're like, whoa, I can't breathe. And their, their, their face just kind of, it's not this movement forward. That's like a reflex. It's like a blank stare of help. There is a very clear difference between gagging and choking, but I, it's, it's hard to explain unless you've been around babies a lot or seen both of them a lot. But that's the clearest I, would you agree? That's the clearest I can explain is gagging is just kind of a yes. like movement forward and choking is more of a blank stare. Like they're telling you they need help.
0: Absolutely. I mean, even Maggie, I mean, she... We'll put, like, some, like, little mushed-up bananas and stuff, but she doesn't have that pinch or grasp to even, like, pick it up yet. So, you know, I'm not just over here just pureeing stuff. I mean, you know, whatever I can do that's easiest, too, is also... (laughs) is also what I'm doing but um she'll she'll gag when I first started this you know when she first started solids fourth baby she she's gagging on the pure because they're not used to it like it's not breast milk it's not formula they're not used to taking in something that's a little bit of a thicker consistency so you're going to have that gagging really no matter what route you go and it's just a matter of you like you said baby learning what to do
1: uh one more thing about that is If a child starts gagging, they could start gagging and that could eventually kind of turn into choking. But don't at the beginning, if they're gagging or if they're coughing and they're getting that good air exchange where it's like, (gasps) and you can hear the air going in and out, let them do that. Their bodies are super, super smart. We don't want to mess that up. You know, if they're coughing and having this really good air go in and out, we don't want to flip them over and start doing back blows. Let them do their thing. And then the the minute they kind of have that blank stare and they're like, uh-oh, then we help them.
0: Yes. Actually, I think what this would be a great time to lead into this question because this is important. When do you finger sweep? Okay. Because I think, you know, this is something that is important to, to for moms to know.
1: Yes. The problem with finger swiping is if, finger sweeping, swiping, whatever you want to call it, is if if you push, the, the problem is, the idea of the problem is that you are going to put your finger in there and push the object back even farther if you don't get the object. So if you are fully confident and you see the object, I would probably tilt my baby forward and grab it with two fingers. But mm-hmm. the, the idea of finger swiping, one finger swiping, just seeing if anything's in there. I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, that's exactly what happened with Jack. My husband was over there and he reached in and touched the peppermint. He, he remembers touching the hard candy with his knuckle as he was swiping. Mm. And that's kind of when things turned real bad, real fast. So we don't oh, want so to finger swipe blindly. But if you see an object and you can grab it, of course, grab the object out of their mouth.
0: Yes, yes. So trying to get a good visual, tilting them forward, and then yes. grabbing it. Yeah. If you see the whole thing and you think you can grab it,
1: perfect. Yes. So,
0: how hard do you hit with the back slaps?
1: Okay, a broken back is much better than an alive baby. So, Amen. <laughs> so if you it just that—that's not even something that crosses my mind. When when my little guy choked, he had a bruise on his back. That didn't bother me one little bit because he was breathing. And that's, I hope, what moms remember is like, don't worry about hurting their back right between their shoulder blades with the heel of your hand. You are going to give firm back blows. Yes. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say,
0: to say about that? No, I think that that's, no, I think that's perfect. And I, I think it's important to emphasize that though because as moms, we don't want to hurt our kids, right? Totally. And so in that, like, Panic mode that we're in, we're like, oh gosh, I'm just gonna okay. Let's do a little some taps, but like you said, every second is crucial. You just deliver those black bows blows, and you just go with it, and you get that thing out, you know. And I don't, I think the last thing on our mind is like, oh, but what if you know? I mean, with CPR all the time, we're cracking ribs, you know. Cracked ribs are better. Than death. A soft heart. Yep. You know, you can't, yeah, yeah. So definitely agree with you there. And I think that that's really, really important. Let's see what else we have. We've talked about a couple of these. Grapes was like such a huge thing. I was, I, when I was the first time, mom, I was like, just no grapes in the house. Just no grapes. <laughs> Don't ever bring any grapes in here. But I think another takeaway from this, as we mentioned, is empowering our children just like we're empowering ourselves by knowing the knowledge is that teaching our kids the you know right and wrong and how to's of life is really important and will serve them really well when they're not by our side 24-7 because they are not by our side 24-7, especially when you have two, three, and four kids. You have to disappear to do something and you want to, you know, give your child the resources they need to be able to make the right decisions. And so I think I made a mistake by just removing that, you know, with the grapes just removing them and and not hey saying hey listen this is how we're going to eat a grape and sitting her down and doing this so yes. I think you know emphasizing that is important too
1: yep and and the same with like popcorn popcorn is huge that's like no popcorn in the house well we love popcorn, yes. popcorn movie nights but what my yes. kids know and as soon as they're old enough to safely eat popcorn, they sit down while they're eating popcorn. Mom and dad are always there and they know they pick up one at a time. They're not picking up handfuls of popcorn and they're safe ways to eat nearly everything in life. So as we're as they're growing and we teach them and they're more used to it, their their mechanics, everything, they you know, everything's going to be easier for them.
0: Yes. Yes, agree.
1: But also keeping them safe.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: it's a tough <laughs> balance. <gasps>
0: Okay. So we address this. So what if your child is on the smaller side, do you still switch to the Heimlich at age one? So you had briefly touched on that where you're like, you know, if you're in the moment and your child is a very small two-year-old and, you know, your first thought is to throw them over your knee and give them some back blows, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. And I've talked to several colleagues about this. And I think that even my son, he just turned three. Truly, if he choked, my instinct would be to grab him, put him over my knee, bend him over and do five back blows and see if that yeah. could get it out. If that didn't get it out, I would move straight to the Heimlich. The instinct for moms is there for a reason. But I think, mm-hmm. I think knowing as soon as if those five back blows don't work, either turn to five chest thrusts or turn to a, the Heimlich maneuver, abdominal thrust.
0: So, and you said over your knees. And so I, I have seen some moms like in a restaurant, for example, where they're just literally like hitting their back while they're sitting up.
1: I mean, to to paint to paint like a visual, I would bring him so that the side of his body is towards me. He would be in between my knees and I would put him yep. so that my knee, he would be dangling over one of my knees, but his feet are on the ground. And this is an older kid, right? Like a three or two or three year yes. old. Or you could lift them up, but essentially my leg is going into the same spot where I would be doing abdominal thrusts, but I'm doing five back blows with gravity, so his head would be below his abdomen. Is this making sense? Right. So he's bending no, over totally my knee. Sense. Yes, and I do five back blows. If that didn't work, I would just turn him and go right behind him and do abdominal thrusts. High leg. Yeah. Yes.
0: And so just emphasizing that, because I think moms, they'll say, Oh, you know, well, I just, I, my immediate reaction was to just, they're sitting in their, you know, their seat at the table and I'm just hitting their back like that, but actually physically getting them up and doing exactly what you had mentioned is going to be more successful.
1: It, yes. If you can get their head below their belly or their down, does that, you know, that is the most important thing.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. And let's see, the last question is, and we address this too, but we can emphasize it at the end here. Where can we find training during COVID
1: when in-person <laughs> meetings aren't happening? is a perfect question? Oh my gosh, it's such a perfect question, which is again, why I'm doing this workshop. I get that question nearly every single week by somebody. Where can I like sit down and really, you know, go practice on a mannequin or learn about this? And truthfully, Lindsay, I don't know because even our hospital... Yeah was not doing anything like this. There's online virtual trainings, but there's just nothing, there's nothing out there that I know of right now, like that I can recommend, which is why I'm creating this workshop is to take anybody who is uncomfortable right now and walk you through everything.
0: It's perfect. I love it. Okay. So we're going to end by asking you well, I am. I said we as if I'm a multiple <laughs> person over here. <laughs> so I have two questions I always ask my interviewees. And so the first question is, if you could give a mom any tip, it could be about anything at all, what would it be?
1: Okay. You are going to hear so much. Information. When you become a mom, it is opening up this world of advice and um, input that you're not asking for and information. And especially in this social media day and age, there is so much just loud noise telling you how or how you should not parent. Just internalize what feels good to you and let everything else go. Not everything yes. is right for you, not everything is right for your baby. You were You are their mother because you are supposed to, you are the best for that baby or that child. So remember that internalize what feels good to you and let everything else go. That's what I would say. I
0: love it. That's great. I love it. And the second question is, let's talk about meals and what your number one favorite meal to make for your family is that your children also love.
1: Mm, Yes, we we love smoothies around here. So every nearly every day, we will eat a smoothie. And that's how my kids are all really pretty good eaters. But that's a very easy, quick way to get a whole bunch of goodness in one cup. So I'll put veggies and fruits. And you can even add in, you know, your vitamins or spirulina or all this good stuff into a smoothie and that is definitely or you can make it into a little açaí bowl with some granola and coconut mm-hmm. flakes on top you can make it fun with some fruit on top but that's definitely probably our favorite thing to eat yes oh i love it
0: i love it i'm i'm going to have to ask you for like your favorite smoothie recipe
1: oh yes of course
0: you have yeah. <laughs> All right, so it was really great having you, Shannon. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us and teach us a little bit more about choking. And again, tell us when that free workshop is again, just so that we can uh, make sure everybody knows.
1: Yes, so of course I will give you a link for it. You can also find me at Shan shantrip um, on Instagram and I'll have links there. We'll talk about the workshop. And then my site where you can look at my online course is shantrip.com, but it will be March 16th through the 18th. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Lindsay. You're the best.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to motherhood meets medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old.